You are listening to episode 418 on the Daily Grind with Tim Michael. Today's review of the day comes from S. Brookins One. This podcast is freaking awesome. The guests are always really interesting, and Colin does an amazing job of asking questions, yielding responses from guests that are really practical and helpful for the audience. Thanks, Colin, for building an amazing podcast. Thank you for leaving the amazing review. And if you want to be featured here on Review of the Day, all you have to do is go to iTunes and leave a review. It's that simple. Thank you, everyone, for the continued support. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to episode 418 featuring Tim Michael here on The Daily Grind. Tim is the creator, best-selling author, and podcast host of The 10 Factor. Using his 10-month success blueprint, Tim helps consultants and entrepreneurs create a thriving business built around their ideal lifestyle. Like many successful entrepreneurs, Tim failed his way to success. In 2008, he lost $334,000 after resigning from a 12-year corporate management career to pursue his side business full-time. His business grew exponentially, but one bad business deal left Tim's company almost bankrupt. Tapping into emergency funds, he fought back and restructured the business, resulting in a new profit-producing model requiring less than 40% effort. Seeing an opportunity to give back and help other struggling entrepreneurs, Tim reverse-engineered his process, validated it with top entrepreneurs, and created the 10-month roadmap, the 10-factor. Now, Tim can enjoy the life he dreamed of with his three children while helping other entrepreneurs with kids do the same. Today on the show, Tim shares that amazing story with us. Be sure that you have a pen, piece of paper, sit back and really dive deep in today's interview with Mr. Tim Michael. Enjoy. Well, Tim Michael, welcome to The Daily Grind. How are you today? Colin, it's awesome to be here. It's awesome that you're here. And uh, Tim, for some people being first introduced to who you are today, if you wouldn't mind just speaking a little bit as to who you are and what you do. Okay, so uh, I'm I'm one of those those people that started. Um, I'm an entrepreneur, but I but I started the traditional way. I, I went to college, got my four year degree, and uh, was was one of those people that actually went out and used that degree, and that's how I started my career. Gotcha. So that was back uh, a lot of years ago, and I I got a degree in civil engineering and uh, went into the construction management field specializing within that that realm and uh, ended ended right up in the management side so i did that for about a dozen years managing large large projects across the country uh, ranging from you know fairly small to upwards of you know 50 60 million dollar jobs so got my got my hands hands in some some pretty complicated pretty neat projects on uh, some of the landmarks you see like on the, the professional ball games and stuff like that in the big city so neat cool. stuff but there was a life to it because i was I was moving through my 20s. I was moving into into my relationship with with my girlfriend at the time, who would later become my wife. And we were talking about having kids, and there was all these moving parts and pieces. And I had landed a really good job out of school with a hundred year old company that had a couple issues that were uh, pushing me away from it. And one of those issues was was salary. Because okay. I was making good money, but I wasn't quite making enough money to uh, create the lifestyle that we were trying to do, which was to bring her home, 
raised the kids while I provided the, the financial resources. So that was one sticking point that we, we kind of discussed for a few years. And then the other one was travel. There was an element to, to my job where in my 20s I spent a couple of years on the West Coast, had a place on the East and the West Coast at the same time. And when you get involved in large projects that are sometimes running 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there's not a lot of time to be home because these jobs were, were basically run from the site where we'd go out with the team, set, set up shop, and be there for one, two, sometimes even three or four years. The longest job wow. I was on was about five years. Wow. And when, when you do that, it's great when you're, when you're young and single, but as you move into the next stage of your life, at least for me, that wasn't the way that I wanted to write the story. So I had those couple sticking points going on. So what I did was uh, we, we talked kind of behind the scenes for a number of years about what to do, and I ended up eventually starting a side business. And that, that business was, was starting to grow in the shadows. And then what happened was uh, fast forward about 15 months into that side business. It was a Friday afternoon. I got a call from my, my boss. who had been my boss for a lot of years brought me up to the office and we were in the process of trying to have our first child. And I was, I guess, elected or assigned to be the fixer on a problem job out of town. Okay. So at that point in time, I did something that I had, had never done before. I pushed back and I said, I can't go. And it was kind of one of those, okay, well that's great, but <laughs> uh, this isn't really a negotiation. This yeah. is an assignment. So, so needless to say, that was a very uncomfortable conversation in that conversation. I told him, I said, Hey, I've got this, Got this side business that I've been running for a long time, have commitments with that. It's just a company. It's a great company, but they're just not providing enough for my family right now to be where we need to be. So I had to go out and do what I had to do. So that led to pretty quick exit for me. So at that point, um, very quickly after that meeting, I ended up giving my, my notice, ending a 12-year employment with the company, and went out on my own as a full-time entrepreneur with the first child on the way. And that was 2008. Okay. And what happened was the uh, the business took off, took off really fast. And what was the business? And it was a smaller version of the contracting business I was doing. Okay. But it was um, basically a local brick and mortar type um, here in Maryland where I'm at, um, doing a different kind of work because I wanted to make sure that there wasn't a conflict of interest when I started it. And that business just started to take off pretty quickly. And in the first year as a, as a full-time deal, it really grew fast. In the process, I was able to, to bring my wife home like we had planned. She resigned from her long-term job, and our first child was born, and we were off and running as entrepreneurs, and that was kind of like the honeymoon period, and then it all came to an end. Really? So we, we, we grew fast, and some entrepreneurs that I talked to grow really fast. Some really, really struggle at the beginning. Uh, some end up somewhere in the middle. But there are people that that just kind of take off and never look back. Well, well, we took off and then we leveled. Gotcha. And basically, what happened was, and I didn't realize it at the time necessarily, but I, I basically bottlenecked my own company. Hmm. So we got to a point where I was the sales guy, I was the process guy, and even though I was adding staff, I was adding outsource partners. I was an integral piece of too many parts and pieces with the business yeah and we weren't systemizing fast enough to keep up with the growth so as a result i ended up creating a business that provided for the family for a lot of years got us to a a point where we where we wanted to be but never got us to that next level and that was that was good for a lot of years about a decade and then 
we what happened was as you as you go into business, you take on a lot of extra risk. And and as an entrepreneur, you're or anybody that's invested in anything, you're always weighing the risk versus the reward. And as I analyzed where we were at, my my stress level was going up. Times at home were getting busier and more difficult. And the business was just kind of continuing to move along at that same pace because I really couldn't get out of our own way. And that's a very, very frustrating thing, although we were making more money than I would have made if I had gone back to my job. So that wasn't really an option. Yep. But the problem is when you operate at that level, it's like you kind of take the factor of safety out of the equation. So then when the bad thing does happen, you you don't have the resources to deal with it. And eventually that happened. We we ended up doing doing a fairly large, large job. And at the end of the, the end of the day, we ended up not getting paid for the work we had done. And when that happened, we were at a point, it was a big enough piece that I thought we were going to lose everything. I thought it was going to bankrupt oh, wow. the company and like, where we're we going to go. So fast forward, now we're in 2015, end of 2015. We had just moved into a new house. We had two more kids on the way. We had twins that were going to be due in about six weeks after after this conversation happened where we found out the, the result of this this work that we had done. And uh, we were we went from being, you know, financially secure and in a pretty good place, albeit busy, yeah. to not knowing what tomorrow was going to bring. So what that did was that led me to uh, go from business owner to survival mode. And in the process, I went through a series of steps some right then immediately when I got off the phone with my attorney, which, uh, which turned into some calculated things I did with my business, uh, to, to take care of some problems that I just had never taken care of. Cause I guess you, a lot of people tend to get complacent and that's basically what I had done. Yeah. So I went, I cut the fat, got rid of problems. Cause frankly, there just wasn't a chance to deal with them anymore. Had to, had to do it. Cleaned, cleaned house on a lot of my, my outsource partners and staff and, just completely changed. Uh, the biggest thing I guess I did was I started saying no to about nine out of 10 opportunities that came in the door and just said, look, this is what we do. And this is it period. Go, you know, if that's not what you need. Go, go hire somebody else. Gotcha. We're not going to be that guy that jumps all over the place. And what that did was it pretty quickly took my business and put it 10 years in the rears to when we were really, really efficient out of the gate. And I realized at that point that we had just kind of gotten away from that. We had let ourselves get pulled in lots of different directions. With my engineering mind, I tend to try to figure things out. Mm -hmm. And it's great to figure it out on somebody else's ticket. But when you're figuring it out on your ticket and you have <laughs> the type of well and, and that and that's it. Just something about me is it's yeah. gonna be right. So I'm not gonna do something for somebody else and give it to them halfway. So we would provide a professional product. It just sometimes took us a little bit more money than I had anticipated because we weren't experts in that piece just yet we were learning as we went yeah and and for you know other entrepreneurs listen to your show that's a big lesson is niching down is scary when you're trying to get out of the gate but it really is the secret to being really really good at something and ultimately being able to create something that you can really systemize and really become an expert at and then really scale down the road to get too broad in general you end up chasing your chasing yourself around and you do a lot of things okay but you may not 
make the the financial gains that you would think you would because nothing's efficient, which means your your return on investment isn't as high. So we went through some of that. And, and what happened then was at that point in time, I guess I, I reflected back and I realized that when I left corporate and I had 12 years of experience in management, I didn't realize how valuable that experience was until years later when we went through that crisis and I realized all of these redundancies and things that I had done ahead of time without even really thinking about it to put myself in a position and not go bankrupt and not go belly up and, and work through it. So I ended up fixing that company um, pretty quickly. And that was what created my, um, I guess, my program that I do, which is called the 10 Factor, because it was 10 months and it was 10 steps that I went through, basically reverse engineering what I had done. But, but I decided that it was time to make a pivot and get out there and start teaching other entrepreneurs that weren't blessed to have all of that back-end experience, how, yeah. to, how to do some of those things. And I pivoted into the, into the personal development self-help space, working with other entrepreneurs. In the process, I ended up writing, writing a book to, to summarize my program, started a podcast, and started just getting out there. And one of the things that was, was really a challenge for me on the front end was who is my client? Like who, who's my ideal client? Yeah. Is it somebody in the construction field? Is it, is it a new business center? Is it somebody with, with five people or 10 people? So I was kind of all over the place and I was testing and I was trying to figure out who I was going to help. And then about the time the book came out, it, it hit home. I was in, in with my group in a mastermind in an in-person mastermind meeting. We're really my one big thing in that meeting was trying to figure out, you know, who the heck is my, who is my audience? Where's my sweet spot? And we went back and we were looking at, you know, my social media and, and the type of people that had been reaching out to me. And what became apparent was something that I had done naturally for years was I had managed to build a business and still spend a lot of quality time with my family. Okay. And there was so many other entrepreneurs out there that, were doing one or the other, but hadn't figured out how to do both. So started really digging into that. And it's, it's basically, you know, if, if you're an entrepreneur who is struggling because when you're working, you, you have this guilt that you're away from your family. But then when you're with your family, you have this guilt that you're not working to provide <laughs> for them. You end up in this constant, it's a proverbial hamster wheel that just, there's no light at the end of that tunnel. So you, you end up not living in the moment. You're, you're constantly stressed. Your family feels it. Your friends feel it. And then at that point in time, you have the American dream in the sense that you've gone out and you've created this business. But is it really what it's all cracked up to be? Or is it just a job that you say, hey, I'm the owner of this job? Yeah, and I think it's really that. Like, I, I feel like for myself, I think athletes and businesses are sort of very relatable. And for me, after my athletic career, I felt lost because I feel like a lot of people, whether it's, you know, your, your profession in sports or whether you're an entrepreneur, your identity gets linked in with what you're passionate about. So it's difficult, you difficult for you to disassociate, which doesn't allow you to, when you're spending time with your family, not think to, to think about your business. And when you're in business to think, Oh, I wish I could spend more time with my family. Exactly. So many people talk about work-life balance mm -hmm. and, 
work-life balance is really what you, the, the definition of that is kind of like success. It's whatever you make it and whatever you, you want it to be. Yeah. But the mistake that a lot of people make when they go into business, and, and I've, I kind of had to learn this over the years, and I guess um, maybe I didn't make this mistake going in. Maybe it's because I had a side business that was running so well um, and, a, and a full-time job that I was really, really, um, everything was dialed in when I started my business. But what they do is they build a business based on, you know, the, the grind, the work, the work hard, the, yeah. you know, work a hundred hours a week, which, which I'm not saying you don't have to do that because if you don't think you have to do that at some point, you're probably kidding yourself. Yeah. But they build a long-term business that depends on that. And they brand themselves as an integral piece of that long-term plan. And then what happens is then they try to take their life and make their life work with whatever is left versus saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put on my calendar, all of these activities that I'm going to call family time or whatever I'm going to call it, but I'm not available to work then. And I have enough confidence in myself that when somebody reaches out to me, that if they can't work within the windows that I can work with them, then we're not going to do business together. That's a very, very scary place to be. And obviously you have to be reasonable. Like you can't do retail and not work the day after a holiday or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but within reason, you, th so that means you have to get in the right space for what your, your lifestyle wants to be. And then you have to take those steps to build your business that way. And that doesn't mean your business doesn't run. That means you just have to figure out how to how to delegate these things out to so somebody else is able to take, take the place when you don't want to be there or, or can't be there. And then you have to be disciplined enough to know that it's not a perfect formula. And there are times where you're going to have to work when you don't want to work there. You know, it's not like you can just say, Hey, I'm never going to work on, on Fridays, but then you get the job of a lifetime opportunity coming and you say, well, I'm sorry, I don't work Fridays. You may have to miss something yeah. in order to get, what you want to get. And that's what we call the short term sacrifice. So a lot of being successful is just making the routine, you know, with your going back to sports, like you, like, like you were talking about making the routine plays, doing the same thing consistently day in and day out. But then when you have to be disciplined, which is discipline and then being disciplined enough to, to be your own boss and make your own critical decisions to say, Hey, I might have to upset some people and not be here because I have to do this for my business. But at the end of the day, that's a short-term sacrifice for the long-term reward that we're trying to get to. Uh, and you know what that takes? Like, I, I think that takes a tremendous amount of patience. Absolutely. Yeah. Patience is a, is a thing that a lot of people don't have. And part of the patience to me is I'm big on reverse engineering. And it's really just, just knowing that you can't do it all today. Yeah. But you have to lay it out over time and you have to develop a, a plan that is more than likely not going to work, but <laughs> at least it gets you, it, you're establishing boundaries. Yeah. And once you establish boundaries, then it's a matter of staying pretty close to that and then making adjustments along the way as you test and learn more. But if you don't establish those boundaries and create the plan, you, you end up doing what, what I like, you're just basically busy. So you're, you're busy and you may be winning the day, but you're not winning the month or winning the year. It's kind of like you win the battle, but you don't win the war. And unfortunately, that feels good, but that doesn't put food on the table. No doubt. So, you know, based on all of your experience and what you've done, what would you say to someone listening right now with an idea? Maybe they're in 
that hamster wheel themselves. Maybe they're driving in nine to five. They're trying to create something more for their life. What's something or what are some pieces of advice you feel like could really help them? One mistake that I made, uh, I still fight it all the time, is when I get an idea in my head, I tend to try to make it perfect before I tell anybody about it. Hmm. And that is, I don't know if that's a fear or that's For just sure. a, you don't want to, whatever you want to, you know, yeah. attribute that to. It took me a while to realize that whatever you create that's perfect, the only person that's going to tell you that it's perfect is going to be the buyer. So when you, the sooner you can get out there in some capacity and start talking to people and getting feedback, be it positive or negative, you can start to hone in on what the right idea is and take your idea and then massage it to get to what is ultimately something that's saleable. And I, th I think a lot of people burn all their money and their time and their patience and energy on the back end trying to figure out what that perfect product is before they ever talk to anybody. It could be a service as well versus somebody that just gets out there and says, hey, I got this idea. What do you think? Yeah. And somebody else goes, oh, my gosh, I know exactly who you have to talk to. And boom, ABC, you're connected. And that's that's these stories you hear about where you say, hey, somebody's like they won the lottery. Well, well, no, actually, they just got out there and talked. And then somebody connected the dots. And you, you learn when you're in business that you're everybody you talk to is kind of like one step away. The person you talk to is probably not the person that's going to help you, but they are going to know somebody or they may know somebody that knows somebody that's going to help you. And the more people that know about it, the more likely it is to be successful. And you have to get over that fear that somebody's going to steal your product because it's, it's generally, I mean, you hear about it on the news occasionally, but think about how often you hear that versus you hear about somebody that, that has a successful business chances of that happening are I think that's just a fear that you have to get over a hundred percent and I think a lot of it has to do with the fear of what other people say and you know it's interesting like going back to I don't we're going back to athletes a lot here but it's funny when you see an athlete how when they have a, a great game or something like that they're celebrated on social media you know and then and they respond to everyone and they're happy go lucky but in the opposite happens and they have a bad game they shut down their social media and they're like i just got to get away from it for a bit and they're so affected by it i think you need to be in that balance of like not getting too high and also not getting too low and not letting other people's thoughts and whether it's amazing or whether it's a piece of crap idea affect what you want to do yeah, I, I know, because you think about it, and I mean, I'm sure you've been on the silent bus rides home and things like that. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, and a good coach, you know, they're going to, you know, I remember in high school one time getting blown out in this basketball game, like an hour and a half away, and, and it was a silent bus ride home. It was a Friday night, and, you know, Saturday morning brought the, the JV guys in, too, and said, look, <laughs> it's every mandatory practice, and we got out on the court, and and, and my coach, coach had coached college for like 20 years, so, you know, it was a high-level practice. And first thing he says is, you know, ball, t ball t we're doing the three-man weave. And he says, ball touches the floor, we run. Well, we had dealt with him all the time. It was no big deal, right? So we're just catching a ball and yeah. making our plays. And the, the JV guys, our hands were shaking, and we ran and we ran and we ran. Well, they weren't <laughs> in shape, we were. So it, at the end, of th that practice was brutal for them. But the point was, he was just getting us 
he was getting it out of our system. And it was a low, it was kind of a punishment practice, but then it was back to business. Yeah. And he was just making the point. But then when you have the, the game where you blow somebody out, which is the other side of that, it's the coach reeling the players in and say, hey, enjoy it tonight, but tomorrow we're back to business. Yes. And that's kind of what you're saying. And the thing is, and, and it took me a while to figure this out, is when you leave the corporate setting, if you start that way, or if you just start your own business right off, right out of the gates, you, as the business owner, unless you surround yourself with the right support network, the right circle of influence, there's nobody but you to keep you within, you know, that that calm, that middle. True, very true. And that becomes very challenging. And we we talked earlier about the personal and the business connection. Well, that's the thing is, you know, when you have a bad day personally, does it affect your business and all those different things? And a lot of it is just figuring out how to create not only systems for your business, but also systems for yourself to to make sure you get through those days. Like like what like you said, social media, like if you have a true content schedule where, you know, like like my podcast comes out every Thursday. So it yep. doesn't matter whether I'm having a bad day or not. That podcast is being published. Yep. So that's something that forces me to be held accountable because it's committed. But if I just say, hey, I'm going to put a podcast out when I feel like it, well, then guess what? If I'm having a bad week, it might not come out. So it, it's, it's creating the systems to make sure that your business, you're basically setting your business up to run like a business yes. and not like a hobby. And I guess that's really the, the biggest thing. I love that. That's super valuable. Um, you know, for yourself, you know, what I'm always kind of, you know, really obsessed with is habits. I believe that the habits we practice on a daily basis are going to directly reflect the results we're getting. Obviously, you've seen some great results. So I believe there's some habits behind all that. So I'm wondering if you could share maybe one or two things that you do consistently that you would say help you stay motivated, stay on track and also get things done that you need to throughout the day. Well, one thing is, and I think this goes without saying, but a lot of people struggle with it, is is making sure that you do what you need to do to be your best self. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's staying in shape. Um, I can, I tend to be able to get by on less sleep than some other people. Mm -hmm. So I would, I'll be more likely to sacrifice sleep rather than exercising, where other people will do the uh, the opposite. But for me personally, I know that if I'm exercising, I'm going to be okay. Um, that that's a big one for me. Um, where I talk about what I struggle with, which maybe is more important, okay. is writing things down. I find that if I can pick my one big thing going into a week, and this is basically, a, you know, here we are, it's a try to do it on Sunday. And I know that by the end of that week that I have to accomplish one thing that's, that's going to be my priority for the business for that week. And then each day I'm working backwards and I'm having many priorities which are going to lead me ultimately to that goal. When I tend to get overwhelmed, which does happen sometimes, which, which is going to happen to everybody, I tend to fall out of that habit. And that, and what happens is that at that point, your clarity is kind of going away. So somebody says yeah. to you, Hey, what are you going to, you know, what's your most important thing to get done this week? If you have to pause and think about it, then you're, you're out of your rhythm. And for me, when that habit starts to slack off, everything falls down with it. So what I have to do then is I have to go back. So once a month, I try to have a strategy day where I go in and I rough plan out my month 
And that way, even when I'm going through like the ups and downs, like we had talked about earlier, I, I at least have an outline that I can kind of keep me on track. If you try, if you can do that 12 times a year, which you're talking about, you know, somewhere between 12 and 24 hours a year that you can invest into kind of rough planning out your month. And then that makes the weekly planning a lot more to the point, a lot easier. And you're always in that context thinking about the big picture as well as the small. You, you, you tend to get to a result. Um, you, you had mentioned earlier about patience and slowing down. Yeah. Well, that You're basically forcing that, that issue by laying it out on paper. So, so the lesson for me, the habit is write it down but it's also planted out and try, you, you have to live today, but you also have to be conscious of what's coming down the road as well. hundred percent. Um, you should check out my daily grind planner. I'd love to see your feedback on that, but you know, for people, okay. people who listen, use that. Like I'm a big believer in, in sort of self-reflection. I love what you're saying. Cause like every month, take a look at what you're doing every week, plan out your week. And I think even every day, to have something in your calendar where you can set out time for yourself just ensures that you're getting it done. Because I feel like for myself, I struggle so much when I got so much to do, but then I don't schedule it out. And then you realize, ah, oh, it's been a week and I haven't done it yet or I haven't got it finished. Um, and I just think blocking time for myself is super, really helped me. And for sure. And, and, yeah. and one of the things that, that people struggle with is um, time blocking is such a buzzword right now. And everybody talks about blocking yeah. their time. I don't think people necessarily understand what that means, and I don't think they understand how long to block time and all those different things. And, and the, the short answer is, is, you know what, it depends. Um, different people have, number one, there's different types of jobs that require different types of focus. Like, for example, when you're, when you're interviewing somebody, you have a specific block of time where you're not doing anything else. Yes. You, but you're, so you may, you may bulk record episodes where you do a bunch in a day, but you you have that planned out so that becomes a very very efficient day for you and you know like you said if you if you don't write it down then, then how do you know how do you yeah. how do you work through that so yeah i i agree 100 percent if i i feel like for me i have to write it down every day or i fall out of that habit yeah. so totally. i i i work bigger picture but it it comes down to daily habits not weekly and monthly habits is really what's going to get you through it because that that establishes a consistency which is what it's all about i love it well, Tim, if people wanted to learn more about you, um, check out your books, your podcasts, where's the best place that everyone could go? Well, the easiest thing to do is just go right to my website, which is the 10 factor.com. And that's T H E and then the number one zero F A C T O R.com. There's a link there. They could go out and they could buy the book. Um, biggest, biggest thing I would encourage the listeners to do is I, put on the website there's a, a 10 factor personal assessment which they can download it's a free download awesome and that gives you the opportunity it's 45 steps where you go in and you grade yourself and I, I walk you through it tell you exactly how to do it but it really will help you establish a baseline of where you're at right now which is the first step to planning out your your future success amazing that is the 10 factor.com everyone i'll share it the show notes section and make it super simple to connect with tim and now, Tim, the way we're going to end the show here on The Daily Grind is we're going to give you the floor and you have the opportunity today to share with our audience the thought of the day. So one thing or one thought we can all go home with today. Okay, so uh, we'll talk about adversity a little bit. Uh, everybody, uh, like it or not, is going to go through tough times, um, whether, whether it's a, a sickness or um, a financial issue or an accusation or uh, a, a change in family structure, whatever that's going to be. And when, when that happens, 
people tend to to bottom out and and feel like they're they're lost, they're hopeless, they're all alone. And there's a lot to be said for living in the moment and mindfulness. And what I what I like to tell people is when you're going through something, some sort of an adversity, it's a paradigm shift in perspective to understand that somebody else is praying to have what you're struggling with right now, that it's not that bad. Other people would give their left arm to, to be at the point where you're struggling. So it's really a paradigm shift that, hey, it's not as bad as it seems. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, even though it doesn't seem like it. Keep your head to the grindstone, keep your integrity, and keep doing what you do, and eventually you'll, you'll find your way through it. And as you can see from this interview, everyone's success is driven by passion, hunger, and today fighting through adversity. Everyone has to overcome obstacles. Everyone has a story. Start building yours today. Today, we had the chance to speak with the amazing Tim Michael. Tim, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule and coming on the show here with us today. Absolutely, Colin. A lot of fun being here. Hope, uh, hope your listeners benefit a little bit. You got it. The pleasure's all ours. And everyone, if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure you're subscribed to the podcast and drop us a comment. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Until next time, Colin Morgan signing off. And always remember to keep on grinding. Yeah.